What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies, everything, everywhere, all at once, and the outfit. First, let's talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Here's a quick synopsis. Evelyn Wong, while trying to expand her laundromat business and plan a party for her father, is recruited to join a multi-reality adventure. The film stars Michelle Yeoh, Kihi Kwan, Stephanie Hsu, Jamie Lee Curtis, and James Wong. Standout performances. Michelle Yeoh broke out in a major way after starring in Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon in 2000. She's also great in Danny Boyle's underappreciated sci-fi film Sunshine. That movie came out in 2007. In the last few years, Yeoh has been on a bit of a resurgence with supporting roles in 2018's Crazy Rich Asians and 2021's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. In Everything Everywhere All at Once, she's asked to do a whole lot. She has to do amazing action sequences and be very funny. There are few people who could have pulled this performance off. It's the perfect movie for Yo to get her first Oscar nomination. This movie also has one of the best return to acting performances I've ever seen. You may not know the name Kihi Kwan, but you've seen his work as a child actor where he played Short Round, the sidekick to Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom in 1984 and Dada in the Goonies in 1985. Quan has not acted in a movie since 2002, and you wouldn't know it after seeing him in this. It's one of the best supporting performances of the year. And finally, Jamie Lee Curtis has had a career comeback of her own these last few years, with 2018's Halloween, 2019's Knives Out, and 2021's Halloween Kills. In Everything Everywhere All at Once, she's great and has great chemistry with Michelle Yeoh, especially in their final scene together. Michelle Yeoh will next star in Avatar The Way of the Water directed by James Cameron, the sequel to Avatar The Highest Grossing Film Ever, and The School for Good and Evil with Charlize Theron and Kerry Washington directed by Paul Feig. Jamie Lee Curtis's next projects include Halloween's Ends, the final film for the beloved franchise, and Borderlands with Cate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, and Jack Black. If you look at the history of movies, the success rate for directing duos are very, very high. The most famous example being the Coen brothers. But you also have had the Wachowskis and recent examples have included the Duplass brothers, the Russo brothers, the Safdie brothers, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and one of the most exciting duos working today are Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Their first film was 2016 Swiss Army Man with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe where Radcliffe plays a talking dead corpse. The movie is bizarre but is weirdly emotional and the same thing can be said about this film everything everywhere all at once they have a great visual style their first two films remind me of the movies written by Charlie Kaufman in that they make these movies that are so crazy and unbelievable yet they end up being emotionally relatable and it's really hard to pull off that kind of filmmaking it also has to be said that they turned down the opportunity to direct Loki the Marvel Disney Plus show and instead made this film which feels as grand
stand as a Marvel movie yet is their own original creation. This film is a lot of things. It's about the relationship between this mother and daughter and how the mother is upset because the daughter reminds her of herself. I mean, that's one of the ways we can all relate to this crazy movie. We are all insanely hard on ourselves, so when someone reminds us of us, we are hard on them. It's also about someone thinking about all the lives she could have had. Again, that's such a relatable thought. I also feel like the movie is a statement on where we are as a society. We all are wondering, especially during these times, what really matters. What I also like about the movie is it doesn't feel like an indie. It feels like a massive studio film. And for a smaller film to achieve that is super impressive. It's like David Lowry's The Green Knight, a smaller film that looks better than 99% of all blockbusters. The Daniels had a clear vision for this film. They made an action movie that does not end in a ridiculous CGI battle. The best kind of movies are the ones with a crazy complicated premise, but is simple at the same time. That's what I would describe everything everywhere all at once as complicated yet simple. We also have to talk about how the movie has been successful at the box office. This movie has already made $38 million against its $25 million budget. Word of mouth is doing this film wonders, which is great to hear because we should all want movies like this one to succeed at the box office because if it does, more movies like it will come to exist. 2022 has been an excellent year for directors with a clear vision. You have The Batman with Matt Reeves, a rare blockbuster that is clearly led by a filmmaker's vision. The Northman, a big studio Viking epic film with Robert Eggers, who stayed true to himself as a director. Ty West with the horror film X, and now Daniels with this movie. And this isn't new. Fresh filmmakers with a new voice have always been rewarded in the 90s. You had Quentin Tarantino, Wes Anderson, Spike Jones, Paul Thomas Anderson. The question is now, can a director make a relevant mainstream movie without making a studio film or a Marvel movie? Like back in the 90s, Pulp Fiction was not just a critical hit. That movie made over $200 million. Now, this is not that. This movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, has not been that big of a box office hit, but it has done something that most indie movies don't. It has hit the zeitgeist. It has become somewhat of a mainstream movie. It's not just being seen by film lovers. This is going to be one of those rare movies that nowadays is a critical hit and a box office one at the same time. You don't see that all of the time. You are either one or the other. You are either divisive. This movie is not divisive at all. The bad reviews have been few and far between and I think this movie is going to be a major player at the Oscars. I think the Daniels could be nominated for Best Director. I think Michelle Yeoh has a real chance to be nominated for Best Leading Actress. I think Kihi Kwan could be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And if this movie isn't nominated for Best Picture, then what are we doing? This is the type of movie that the Oscars were built to reward. Overall, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a spectacle. It's 
an experience watching this movie. There is no film you can compare it to. I really hope, again, that the Oscars rewards this film in some way. If it's not nominated, that would be a travesty. I also think as a society, we need to come together and appreciate originality when we see it. I mean, we say all the time that things are being remade all the time. We're saying that there's only Marvel movies. Then when we get something original, we need to learn to appreciate it. And this is the perfect movie to do that with. I also personally love seeing an action movie that isn't led by an iconic character that we already know. Those are great, but we need different kinds of action movies. And this is one that has a unique comedic tone and style. I think the best thing about everything, everywhere, all at once is it's an impossible movie to describe. And you can't describe why it's good. There's no simple explanation. Like if I explain this to you word for word, you would be like, this is insane. This isn't going to be a good movie. Yet you watch it and somehow it all comes together. Watching this movie is quite an experience. Also, this movie is memorable. I mean, there are too many movies nowadays. There's too many TV shows. You watch them and you forget all about it. That's not the case with this movie. This movie is unforgettable and is only going to grow in stature in the coming months and years. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Outfit. Here's a quick synopsis. Leonard is a seemingly innocent tailor who has gotten himself mixed up with a dangerous group of Chicago criminals. The film stars Mark Rylance, Zoe Deutsch, Dylan O'Brien, and Johnny Flynn. Standout performances. Mark Rylance is best known for his supporting performances in Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies, for which he won an Oscar, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7, and Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. In the outfit, he's giving a rare leading performance. Rylance is one of those actors who has a different voice and look for each of his roles, and he's perfect casting for this character of Leonard, a man who seems trustworthy and harmless. The criminals in the film really don't take him seriously because he comes off as an innocent bystander. I've seen three performances from actor Johnny Flynn recently where he heavily relies on movie star charm. In 2020, Emma, where he plays Emma's love interest, George Nightingly. In Stardust, he is playing the great David Bowie. And in The Dig, he plays the love interest to a character played by Lily James. In The Outfit, he's playing a much different kind of a role, a low-life criminal, and he nails it. Flynn is definitely an actor you want to pay attention to. I mean, this guy feels like he's on the cusp of movie stardom. Think about the actors he's working with. And Emma, he worked with Anya Taylor-Joy. In The Dig, he worked with Ray Fife and Lily James. And in this movie, he's working with Mark Rylance. Mark my words, Johnny Flynn is about to become a household name. Since 2016's Everybody Wants Some, Zoe Deutsch has shown her incredible range. In 2017, she played actress Una O'Neill in The Rebel in the Rye. 2018, she was in the super successful Netflix romantic comedy Set It Up with Glenn Powell. And in 2019, she had the leading role in the super underrated Buffaloed and a supporting role in Zombieland Double Tap. I mostly think of Deutsch as a brilliant comedic actress, but in the outfit, she's reminded me she's more than that. 
In the film, she plays Rylance's Leonard's secretary who desperately wants to leave Chicago and see the world. The father-daughter dynamic between the two is one of the best parts about the movie. And finally, Dylan O'Brien is someone whose career I mostly ignored. I found the Maze Runner films to be bland and boring, but now he's doing exciting work. Last year, he had the lead role in Love and Monsters, a movie I really enjoyed, and in this film, he's playing a Chicago criminal. His his accent might not be that great, but I really like the choices he is making. I say this all the time on this podcast. It's better to be a supporting actor in a good movie than it is to be a lead in a bad one. I also really liked his performance in the Taylor Swift directed short film All Is Well with Stranger Things star Sadie Sink. Mark Rylance will next star in The Way of the Wind directed by Terrence Malick and Bones and All with Taylor Russell and Timothy Shallow. May, directed by Luca Guadagnino. Zoe Deutsch and Dylan O'Brien are set to reunite on the movie Not Okay, and Johnny Flynn's next role will be in the TV series Ripley, with Andrew Scott playing Tom Ripley. It also stars Dakota Fanning. The outfit is the directorial debut for Graham Moore, who wrote the script for one of my all-time favorite films ever, The Imitation Game, with Benedict Cumberbatch and Keira Knightley. With the outfit, he's made an old-school movie with well-known actors. This this feels like a movie that Robert Redford would have starred in, like The Sting. The outfit, like that movie, has a lot of twists and turns, and it's a plot-driven movie more so than most films nowadays. The outfit is a movie that also feels like it would have been a hit movie at the box office in 2005, and now is sadly just an afterthought. What I really enjoyed about the outfit is you couldn't see where the film was going. You didn't know which of the characters to trust, who was reliable. It keeps you on your toes at all times. I also love the tension between the characters played by Dylan O'Brien and Johnny Flynn. Their relationship reminded me of the relationship between Daniel Craig's character and Tom Hanks' character in the film Road to Perdition, another film about Chicago gangsters. I say that because in the outfit, Dylan O'Brien is playing the son of the mob boss and Johnny Flynn is playing his right-hand man and the Dylan O'Brien character is jealous of the Johnny Flynn's character. The same thing happens in Sam Mendes' The Road to Perdition. In that film, Daniel Craig is playing the boss of the mob boss, while Tom Hanks is playing the right-hand man, and the Daniel Craig character is insanely jealous of the Tom Hanks character. That's one of my favorite things about gangster movies, is even the people on the same team can't trust one another. They think that they're out to get them, and that's why the Dylan O'Brien character is so untrustworthy of the Johnny Flynn character that he doesn't even need a good enough reason to turn on him. Just say the word and that's the person he's going to turn on because he hates that character. It used to be really simple with movies. If a movie was decent and had a good cast, it would do well at the box office and be deemed an overall success. Today, that's not the case. You have movies like The Outfit, which have three well-known actors. They are not necessarily movie stars, but actors who have been in major movies. Rylance was in Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, a blockbuster that made over $700 million. Dylan O'Brien was in a pretty popular teen show, Teen Wolf. And Zoe Deutsch was in arguably the most successful Netflix romantic comedy of all time, Set It Up. So one would think that if these three actors came together to do a movie, there would be a 
big audience for it. No, times are not that simple. This is the kind of movie that has me thinking that the movie star era is dead because I brought up The Sting. Do you know why The Sting was popular in one best picture and everyone saw it? Because it starred Robert Redford and Paul Newman, two of the biggest movie stars at the time. No, none of the stars in the outfit are as big as those stars, but they are well-known people. Back in the day, this movie, The Outfit, probably would have made at least $50 million at the box office. I also think for as good as The Outfit is, I think the thing that's really hurting it is it's so traditional. It feels like a movie we've all seen before. I've already compared it to The Sting and The Road to Perdition. Like, those are movies that have already been made. The movies, the smaller ones that are doing well at the box office, that is making the mainstream, are the ones that are wholly original, like everything everywhere all at once. The Outfit is the type of movie that if you see, you're going to say, wow, that's really good. But you're not going to see in a movie theater because there won't be that exciting word of mouth to get you to go to the movies. One of the scenes in the outfit that did feel fresh and new is the one where the mob boss in the film compared his line of work to that of the Taylor play by Rylance. He's delusional and thinks that they are self-made in the same way. I have never seen a moment like that in a movie. It showed that even a Chicago mob boss gangster thinks he's making an honest living the same way a Taylor is. That's crazy to think about. And that's also the moment I felt the worst for the character played by Mark Rylance, that he has to hear that from a thug, that they are two peas in a pod. Like, that's ridiculous. The movie also has a really satisfying twist ending. Like, I thought the twist was going to be obvious. When I first watched the movie, I said, I really hope they don't go with this obvious twist, and they didn't. They went with something a little less obvious. I thought you maybe could have figured out the twist. I really liked the twist. A twist is really hard to do. But this movie pulled it off. Overall, the outfit is a perfectly cast crime drama. All four actors give really good performances. It's not changing the genre forever, but it delivers a really good old-school feeling movie. We are truly living in crazy times where really good movies are being outright ignored. I was thinking of that Benedict Cumberbatch film last year, The Courier. All we were talking about was Power of the Dog, and now all we're talking about is Doctor Strange into the Multiverse. Guess what? Benedict Cumberbatch is just as good in The Courier, yet no one saw that movie. It's almost like if everybody didn't see that movie, did it even exist? That's kind of how I feel about these movies, and I'm doing this podcast about this movie because I really do feel like the outfit is a film worth seeing. And another thought I had is we all criticize actors for doing Marvel movies. Oh, we say, what a sellout. That guy is only in it for the money. I think they're also in it to be relevant because we don't see most of their other work. Like this movie, for instance. Dylan O'Brien does really good work in this movie and in Love and Monsters. And not a lot of people have seen those two movies. So would I be surprised if in the next five years, Dylan O'Brien does a Marvel movie? No. Why would I? He wants a lot of people to see his work and the one way to get that done is to be in a big blockbuster or to be in a Marvel movie. It's not to be in a really good high quality drama anymore. It's to be in a 
big studio movie that everyone sees. The same for Zoe Deutsch, the same for Mark Rylance, and the same for Johnny Flynn. All I'm saying is don't be mad when your favorite actor shows up in a Marvel movie if you didn't give his other films the time of day. I really hope now that it's on DVD, more people check out the outfit. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I highly recommend you watch Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Outfit. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking about the career of actor Tom Hardy and the movie Operation Mincemeat, starring Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, Jason Isaacs, and Johnny Flynn. So tune into that, and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.